0: And, and that's also um, a little bit behind this idea of, of responding and creating handholds for response is behind how we're going to set up worship today. So what I'm going to do uh, today is I'm going to start with the scripture. And particularly in this week's scripture, I think there's a couple of things uh, that God has for us to grab onto. And so what we'll do is we'll, we'll create some space to answer some questions and grab onto God. Um, and then we'll worship in response to that. And then I'll come back up and we'll talk about the second thing. Um, and we'll create some space to grab onto that, and we'll worship in response to that. I hope that doesn't sound like a lot of like an exercise class, stand-up, sit-down, stand-up, sit-down, but uh, I think we can do this. Uh, um, I think we worked it out, and hopefully, uh, my hope and my prayer is that it really does create some space within this time um, for you to respond faithfully to whatever God is laying on your heart. So if you have a Bible, you can turn it to Luke chapter 20, Um, give you a little bit of background for uh, this text. If you were here last week, you saw that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, and um, as he was coming into Jerusalem, a couple of things happened um, that rub people the wrong way. Uh, the first is that Jesus comes in um, in, this, in this prophetic way, and, and the people recognize it, and they begin to proclaim him as king. Right. And this rubs uh, the religious officials the wrong way. And they look at him and they say, these people are proclaiming praise to you. They're singing your praises. This is wrong. You need to stop them. And Jesus says, I'm not stopping them. Essentially, he says, this is what they were made to do. And this is what all of creation does. I am the king. If you were here last week, David talked about Jesus's role as prophet, priest and king um, in our lives. And that's part of that. Jesus proclaiming himself as king. Then he acts as prophet over Jerusalem and, and, and speaks over Jerusalem and some of the destruction that's going to come as they reject Jesus as the uh, great prophet um, as well as the Son of God. And then he goes into the temple, and this is a story a lot of people know. He goes in the temple and he turns over the tables, right? We love that. Um, and, uh, and he starts proclaiming himself as an authority in the temple as priest. And, and this is where we're going to pick up. In Luke chapter 20, because after Jesus proclaims himself as an authority in the temple, he starts to teach the people in the temple. And this starts to rub the temple officials again in the wrong way. Because up to this point, I think that what they've seen is that Jesus is kind of this sort of uh, like rascally uh, rabbi, right, who travels around and does this, this cute, small, healing, preaching ministry. But now he's on their turf. Right? And now he's starting to do things that only they're supposed to do. And so they're upset about it. And so in, in Luke chapter 20 and what we look at today, what we're going to see is this uh, interplay with the people on one side and Jesus teaching the people, which are, which are the crowds, essentially. Some of them are his followers and some of them are just people that are in Jerusalem for Passover who are around the temple. And Jesus is in the temple preaching to them and, and claiming the, the authority of the temple. And on the other side, you have these temple officials who say, no, 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 no. Those people are supposed to look to us for authority. What do you think you're doing? And so there's, kind of, there's three players, I guess, in the text today. So you have Jesus, and then you have the people, and you have the authorities. And Jesus is, at the same time, speaking to the authorities about what they're doing, but also speaking to the people About what he came to do. And as we look through this scripture, uh, we're going to look at it in light of those two groups. And I just really encourage you to let God speak to your heart now as we read um, to let you know where am I right now? I think we can all fall into either of those groups, but where am I right now? So in Luke chapter 20, starting in verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts, And proclaiming the good news, the chief priest and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you're doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they're stuck. The the priests are stuck because what they really want is what Jesus is taking from them. What they really want is authority over the people, right? And so they want to shame Jesus. They're basically asking him, like uh, somebody said this week, Kim said this week, we were talking about this passage. And she's like, where'd you go to school, right? Where'd you get your degree? Right, Where do you get your authority from? And because Jesus is taking what they think is theirs. But Jesus' question puts them in a position where they're going to lose it anyway. Right. So if they say, yeah, John's baptism was from God. Well, John pointed to Jesus. And so Jesus now has the authority of God behind him. But if they say, no, it was from humans, they know how the people felt about John. And they're not only going to lose their authority, they might lose their lives. And so they're stuck. And so they do what you do when you're stuck, and they just say, well, we're just not going to answer, right? No comment. We don't know where it was from. And in that way, they actually lose their authority already, right, by saying we don't know. And so Jesus says, then neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And then he turns to the people and he tells them this story in light of the experience that's just happened. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? If I was the owner of the vineyard, I would think I'm going to go get those guys, right, and throw them out. But that's not what he says, right? It's so interesting. He says, what shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants, and he will give the vineyard to others. So so anybody hearing this story the imagery was pretty clear for them and if it's not clear for you I'll just uh, I'll I'll explain it because they had a context that we didn't have. Essentially what Jesus is saying is God is the guy who planted this vineyard. God planted this vineyard. He planted the people and he gave authority to these officials to lead the people. But the people didn't lead with the authority and bear the fruit that God wanted them to bear, right? The temple officials were right, actually, in the idea that they were supposed to be the ones with authority, but they thought the authority was theirs to hold and not God's. And so that was the problem, was that they weren't bearing the fruit of God. Jesus had come in and he had said, no, the temple is about revelation and relationship and people coming back to God. And the officials had missed that completely and so and they constantly had fought the prophets who had tried to draw them back and now Jesus was coming as the son and he's prophesying his own death which he's talked about earlier in Luke as he's saying to the people they're going to kill the son and then god's going to deal with it and listen to the people's response this is the people that the officials are trying to sort of lord their leadership over when the people heard this they said god forbid Right? The people were at such a place of living underneath somebody else's leadership that they were scared of what might happen if even corrupt leadership was gone. Right? And so Jesus looks directly at them, and this is what he asks. He says, then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, no, 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 you don't have to worry. Because, because me, the one, I'm the stone that these guys are rejecting, but I'm actually going to become the cornerstone. I'm actually going to become the one who builds the true temple. And when I hold that authority, when I hold that place, you don't have to be afraid about who's going to lead you anymore. And he says, everybody who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests look for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken that parable against them. But they're afraid of the people, and so they start to kind of figure out this way. See, the authorities, they couldn't proclaim, or or they couldn't sentence anyone to death. The religious authorities couldn't do that. It wasn't in their purview, but they want to kill Jesus, and they're not sure how to do it. So what they try to do next is they try to create a dispute between Jesus and the government because the government could sentence people to death. Right, And it says, keeping a close watch on him, they they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So what they do is they say, what's God's opinion on whether or not we should give our money to the government. Can you believe anybody would ask that question ever? Right? Never gets asked. I'm going to leave that with you all. We're not going to talk about that today, but you may want to look at it. All right, so, and this is what it says. That's not really what they're asking, right? They're trying to get Jesus to pick sides. And it says he saw through their duplicity because he saw what they were trying to do. If Jesus sides with the government, then to the people, he's not that impressive anymore. He's just some sort of puppet for the government. If he sides against the government, then they can go to the government and have him killed. And it says, Jesus saw through their duplicity and he said to them, show me a denarius whose image and inscription are on it. And they said, Caesar's. So he said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. And this is Jesus' mic drop moment, right? If you read, if you read in text and they talk about kind of what this meant for the people, everybody went, Whoa, oh, right? This was the just like incredible response. The response they weren't looking for, it goes on to say that they're just astonished. And and it silences them. Because what Jesus has done is he is taking something about a little bit of authority and about who deserves what. And he's saying, it's not even about that. This is so small. If you would just understand who God is and what he deserves. If you would understand who I am, the image of God, and you would let me be who I am, none of this other stuff would matter. He said all this other stuff would fall into place. Right, and, and, and the thing that they're dealing with in this passage, and the thing that I kept coming back to specifically for us, there, there's a lot going on here about Jesus going to his death and things like that, but specifically for us, what it kept coming back to for me is this idea that authority comes from position. Is that authority belongs to position. And that the one who has the position has the authority. And we know this. We act like this every day. When you have position, you have authority. That's why in my house, if the seven-year-old says, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese, and I say, why? And he says, because I said so. It doesn't work. He's not going anywhere. But I get to say, because I said so. Because I have the authority. Because I have the position. He doesn't have the position, so he doesn't have the authority. Authority comes from position. And Jesus knew that, and the people knew that, and the officials knew that. And, and, and that's, that's the ground for all of this discussion. The problem with the officials is that they think that it's their position that gives them authority. And what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 it's God's position and how you position yourself in relation to God that gives true authority. right? Jesus realized that, that true authority only comes when things are in the right position. And and, and the reason that the officials have gotten so out of whack and the reason that even the relationship of the officials to the people and the people to the officials has gotten so out of whack is because God has lost his right position. It's not really about Caesar or about the temple tax or about what school you went to or about who your parents were, right? Or about even what you did or didn't do. He said, if you would just give to God what is God's, then all of these other things would fall into their right place. And today, I think some of us, I know some of us, are struggling with certain things in our lives in part because God has gotten out of position. And it's as simple as that. We're trying to grab authority. We're trying to grab control. We're trying to grab back some sense of I can handle what I'm dealing with. And the more we try to grab it, the more it gets away from us. Right? The more we get caught up in this issue of, like, there's no right answers. Have you been there? There is no right answer when it comes to my spouse right now. There is is no (laughs) right answer. When it comes to my kids right now, there is no right answer when it comes to my work right now. There is no right answer when it comes to who we should vote for in the next election right now or whatever. And it's because we're trying to grab all of this stuff and God's lost his position. When we have authority without right position, what we do is we give something or someone other than God ultimate position. For the, for the religious officials, it was themselves, right? Like they had decided we're the ultimate, and so we're right, and you've got to figure out how to get right with us in order to be right. But for us, it could be all kinds of things. This is why when, um, when I talk to teenagers uh, regularly, when I, I talk to them a lot about romantic relationships, and you've got to make sure that that other person doesn't become the one For You in light of this because everything will get wonky, right? Everything will get out of place, but it's not just with dating relationships It's with other relationships, too Right when something else takes ultimate position for us things get out of whack when we give something or someone other than God ultimate position We get tied up and we become like these things we become manipulative to try to hold authority to try to hold onto control. We get angry a lot of times. Why won't they listen to me? Why can't I convince them? Why would they ever think that? Why wouldn't they do this? We get self-interested, which happened with the officials. I don't even know that they started out that way. They might have started out with God interest and people interest, but at this point they're self-interested. And they're saying, what do you owe me? And how do I keep my position? In this place. We get overprotective of our place and our stuff. And then ultimately what happens is we get discouraged and we get hopeless. And that's why they were resorting to trying to kill Jesus, because they were so scared of losing their place that they were hopeless that there was any other way for them than to kill this guy. And I'm not saying we get there, but definitely I think we get to places where we're hopeless. We get so discouraged and so hopeless the more we try to grab on to whatever it is that has taken ultimate position in our lives. And God's response to us is the same as Jesus' response to those leaders. And it's give to God what is God's. Give God back place. Give God back, back place when I love my wife. I don't love her because she's lovable, or because she always responds the way I want her to respond or because it makes me feel good about myself. I love my wife because God has place. And God said, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Right? When I honor my parents, I'm trying to see if any of them are in here. They're not right now, but you can tell them this. When I honor my parents. I don't honor them because they always make me happy or they always say what I want them to say or they're always really nice to me. I honor them because God has place in my life. And then I don't have to worry about it. If God has place, I don't have to worry about the whole, well, what if they do this or what if they say this? God will sort those things out. And with my kids, when I love my kids, when I discipline my kids, this is probably the most difficult thing for me. Man, I discipline my kids out of self-interest way more than I ever discipline them out of God having right place in my life. Just a confession. Y'all can pray for me later when I say pray for people who need healing. All right. But when I discipline my kids and God has right place in my life, I know that that discipline is going to bear fruit. And I know that it's not going to break them. But hopefully it's going to help break sin in their lives. When I give to God what is God's. And so the first response we're going to have today, if the worship team will come up, is to just give God's what? What is God's? Whatever it is, whatever it is that has gotten out of place, and you feel like you're grasping for your own control, you're grasping for your own authority in that area. I want you to think about that. And I want you, i want—we're just going to take a minute. and I want you to just ask yourself, God, what has taken the place of your authority? Is it me? Am I dependent on me? Is it this relationship? Is it this position? Is it this fear? What has taken the place of your authority? What's taken the position that you deserve? What do I need to give to you because you're you? And and then in, in, in your mind, as you ask God that, I want you to look at that thing as like a weed, right? Jesus tells this parable, and he says that there are these weeds that grow up, and they choke out the will of God in our lives. I don't want you to ask God to just start pulling it away, pull away the weeds, to create space for God. And really, one one of the most effective tools we have, I want you to just think of it as a tool, because it it is so much more than that. But one of the most effective tools we have to pull away the weeds and give God his place is worship. And that's why we're going to respond with worship. And and these songs are, are specific to this moment. And so for you, if you're like, there's all this stuff, and I don't know how to do that, and I don't know how to untangle it, just give God position today. Just give God position this morning. And for the next two songs, give him position. Just give him position back in your life and and worship him for who he is and and not for all those other things. So if you guys will stand, we're going to pray. I just want you to take a minute, or just a few seconds even, and ask God, what is it? God, what right now is taking the place of your position in my life? Is it self-interest? Is it my selfishness? Is it my fear? Is it another person? Is it my worry? As you have it, as you have whatever that thing is, I just want you to give it to God as a weed to be pulled up. And then, as, as you worship now, just give God place. Just see it as giving God place. And as you proclaim these words that God is who he is, give God place in your heart. And trust that those other things will fall into place. Because God gets his place. So when we give Jesus right position, he reclaims authority. But, but he also gives authority, which is maybe the wildest thing over it this past week. And I think it's the reason that the people respond the way they do uh, to the parable of the vineyard is because they can't imagine that part of it. Right, They can't imagine um, that God would say, I want to give you authority. I want partnership with you. I was reading over that parable of the tenants this week and thinking about us, and I was thinking probably not many of us have beat up prophets or physically were the people who killed Jesus. right? And so it's, it's, I was trying to read through that parable and figure out, God, what is it? That, that we need to see, what is it that we need to recognize in this passage? And I think one of the things that, that blows me away is that the owner of the vineyard doesn't just run the whole vineyard himself. Even when the tenants mess up, he doesn't just say, I'm going to come back and run the whole vineyard myself. Even when the tenants kill his son, he doesn't just say, I'm going to come back and run the whole vineyard myself. He says, I'm going to find more tenants. I'm going to find people who will be responsive to what I want to grow. People that will give me right position and that would bear fruit that I want to bear. And I think that's part of what the people can't grab onto. See, they've made their lives so small that they've made themselves spectators on the stage of God. And they listen to Jesus over here, and they listen to the officials over here. But if all of those people are gone, what they're thinking is, we're the vineyard. Who's going to take care of us? And what Jesus says is, no, I want you to be the tenants I'm building something bigger than you could have imagined. And in fact, I'm the cornerstone of everything that has been coming. And when I am in place, we will build a temple that will live inside you. And the Holy Spirit will give you authority to be tenants over the vineyard of the earth and to be my people bearing my fruit throughout the earth. And a lot of times, and I think this might even be more applicable to us in this room today. A lot of times we, we get that God deserves position of worship, but we can become spectators, right? Like we can become the people who sort of sit back and watch, and we say other people do, and we watch. And there's this video um, that uh, – it's, it's really short. It's Francis Chan, and he's talking a, about this idea, and I thought it was a good illustration. Um, is it going to come up? Are we going to get it? Something's going to happen? Oh, there he is. And so just listen to this for a minute. Maybe, if there's sound.
1: When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Simon Says. Right? Most of us have played that, unless you're really young, because there's no app for it. It, it, Simon Says is, uh, you know, you just, Simon Says, pat your head, you know. So, okay, you know, Simon said it. Um, It's just, it was a very simple game. But it's so weird how... In the church, Jesus says, is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you don't have to do it, you just have to memorize it. You, 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 you study it, you memorize it. You guys, it, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of the things we do, when he tells us to go out and make disciples, and how many people in the, our churches are actually making disciples? They memorized it. You know, when I tell my daughter, hey, hey, Rach, go clean your room. She doesn't come back to me two hours later and go, I memorized what you said. You said, Rach, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek. (laughs) My friends are going to come over and we're going to have a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. She knows better than that. And so why do we think we're going to come before the judge one day and quote everything that he said and talk about how much we know? It's just it's just this black and white stuff. If I just started with scripture, I'd go. Here's what I would do. I would start making disciples.
0: So you saw that link. If you don't like my talk today, you can just click on that and listen to the rest of it because he's much funnier and better than I am. But you get the point. And it's easy for us to get caught up. Like, I I would have said yes to everything that he talked about his daughter doing. That's what I do. That's what I do. It's so easy for us to become spectators, right? For us to get in that position where we say, God, you have right position, and leave it there. And not recognize that God is saying, I'm giving you position." A lot of times we get in the place where we give God worship, but we feel less than capable to do anything else for whatever reason. And, and, and we look at our resume and we say, it's not enough. I'm not this or I'm not that. I'm not outgoing. I'm not tall. I'm not funny. I'm not smart. What, whatever. We, we look at our resume and we say, God, it's lacking. Right? And I can't do those things. And so we stay on the sidelines. And, we, and, and, and we're like the people. We're completely blind. To the influence that God desires us to have, we just sort of sit and we think, well, who's going to take care of us next then? And I think Jesus' Jesus' word to us is the same word he had for them, which he would say, I'm the cornerstone. I'm the resume that you need. I'm the thing that's going to pull you together and make you complete and make you into the temple of God. And there's this calling in our lives to grab hold of the authority that God gives us as tenants of the vineyard. I went through just a few scriptures they are going to come up here on the screen of what type of authority Jesus gives us. Right. And a lot of times we talk about doing your deal and finding kind of your specific area that God has given you. And absolutely, this broadens that out a little bit, though, and this is this is a little more general to the things that it said. This is what he gave his disciples. This is the authority he gave them. He gave them authority to cast out demons. He gave them authority, it says, particularly in their environment over like scorpions and snakes and just the things that we're going to try to kill and destroy people and sickness and demons and diseases. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about, he says, we have this divine power to destroy strongholds. He says, our war is not against other people. He said, the battlefield for us is God's battlefield. Don't make yourself small. Because God's not small. And God's authority is not small. He didn't make you to bear small fruit. And he didn't make us just to have studies. Right? The the owner of the vineyard could have at any point just said, It's my vineyard and I'm doing it. Because y'all are messed up. But he never does. Eventually, because of the rejection of, of, of the priest in that era, it was going to be taken away from them. But he was saying, and I'm here to give it to anyone who will respond. Anyone who will say, I'm going to put you in position of owner. And I'm going to seek to bear the kind of fruit you want to bear. Not little me fruit. Fruit big, God-sized fruit. This, I, I, was, I was convicted about this recently. I have three kids, and, and uh, two of them, one of them's seven, and one of them's ten, and they're in elementary school. And every night, I pray for them uh, when we go to bed. And most of the time, I pray for probably what we all pray for. I pray, let them have a good night's sleep. My daughter has lots of nightmares, so I pray don't let them have those. And uh, let them have a good day at school tomorrow, and let them do well, and behave your stuff, because I kind of want to sneak that in so they'll be better, right? And I pray for all these things, and I was thinking about this idea of like how small I make my kids' lives by my prayers for them. And so a couple of weeks ago, my kids think I'm crazy right now, but a couple of weeks ago, like, they don't want me to pray for them anymore because we just pray for like, these long periods of time before they go to sleep. And, and we start asking God, give them influence in their school, where they go to school. Give them influence over other kids. Fill them up with your spirit so much that that touches other kids in their class and changes those kids' hearts. And, and for kids that are sick, God, let them, let them pray for those kids and let them be healed. And when they interact with their teachers, God, let their teachers see your light. Let them see you as the cornerstone of their lives and be transformed. And use that to actually transform their school environment and use that to transform our community and use that to transform our, transform our world, right? And they're like, Dad, you're insane. And I say, God's just bigger. But I do that with tons of things. I figured it out with my kids, but I do it with so much. I limit God so much, and I make myself so small. And God says, will you just get involved? You've put me in position. Now, now join up. Let's have some fun. Let's bear the kind of fruit that I wanted to bear in the first place. Right? You are the image of God. So give to God what is God's. Don't let yourself just be a spectator because God's not a spectator. And live out your calling. So we're going to respond with that piece of this. And so worship is is a time to, to give God position. Worship is also a time where we say, and God is in position. And we're claiming God's position in these different areas in our lives. And so my question to you is first, where are your vineyards? Because you probably have more than one. Where are your vineyards? Where are the places where God has put you and that you can have influence? And again, you might think, I don't have influence anywhere. My kids are 7 and 10, and God longs to give them influence. He longs to give you influence. And it starts with aligning yourself with him wherever you are. When it comes to your spouse, align yourself with who God is and begin to pray with the influence you have. When it comes to your kids, align yourself with where God is and begin to pray with the influence that comes from that God. When it comes to our community, let's align ourselves with where God is and let's pray with the influence that comes from God. And Let's walk in the influence that comes from God and let's be people who would bear the fruit of the influence that comes from God. So as we go back in to worship, come on up, For this this portion of worship, I, I, I want us to take a minute and I want us to first ask God, where are my vineyards? Where are they? And I want you to ask God to show you, these are the places where I put you. My spirit is in you. I've built you into the temple of God and I have planted you in these vineyards to be a person of authority and influence. And I want you to ask everybody in here, I want you to say, God, where? Where are my vineyards? And then I want us to ask, God, how can I dig in to your authority? That parable about the sower, it says one of the reasons that plants die is because their roots don't sink deep enough. They don't dig in deep enough to the things that God would want, and they just stay shallow. That happens with our faith, too. Is that if we remain spectators, God gets boring real quick. And he just turns into some sort of academic class. So let's ask God, where do you want to dig me to dig deep into your authority in that area? Where can I ask for more than I thought I could ask for yesterday in that area? Then I want you to begin to ask for it. We're going to sing this song, Overcome, and there's a refrain at the end, and it says, we shall overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. God says, I give you influence in your words as you testify to what I have done and what I'm going to do in your vineyards. People will overcome, and you will overcome. So if you all understand, just quietly to yourself, I want you to ask God, where are my vineyards? God, show us our vineyards. God, the places where we fought, we're just spectators. But God, you've given us authority. You've given us spiritual authority. The people around us may not even recognize that we have the authority. Some of our kids have no idea that we would have any authority in their lives. But God, you have given us spiritual authority. In some of our workplaces, we feel like we have zero authority, God, but when we align with you, you give us authority. And so God, I pray that that you would show us, God, whether it's just through our prayers, through our actions, through our words, through beginning to share with people, whatever it is, God, show us where to dig in in our vineyards and begin. Jesus' name, amen. We're going to wrap up uh, just with a couple of things. Uh, one thing, just as we were worshiping, I thought the Lord uh, wanted to say was um, that for some of y'all specifically, um, this is one of your vineyards, and, and you think it doesn't matter um, if you worship the Lord or if you engage him, but it really does. It really changes atmospheres. As you grab hold um, of that authority and so for what that's worth, I may come back to that in a minute. I don't know. Um, I may not. But um, ultimately, God is looking for people who will give him position in their lives and who believe that their position in him gives them authority. That's what he's looking for. Those are the tenets that God is looking for. He says, will you give me position in your life? And then you will, will you believe that when I'm the cornerstone, when I'm the capstone, that you have authority. I, I was thinking about this. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Super Bowl watchers who watch the Super Bowl? Halftime show? Anybody? Halftime? I, didn't, I don't. So I was driving around a lot. I was with students. I didn't catch uh, most of the halftime show. But apparently uh, Beyonce was in the halftime show. I'm not a Beyonce fan. One way or the other, really. Um, but she, throw that slide up there she said something about Red Lobster in one of her songs. Does anybody know this? Yeah? No? Some of you guys are like, I didn't listen. But you know. Um, But it says that Red Lobster sales jumped 33% after Beyonce just said Red Lobster. I don't know why she said it. I don't know when she said it. Maybe you can give me the context and it's something bad and I shouldn't talk about it from here. You can tell me afterwards. But (laughs) just her saying it, made their sales jump a third. And I thought about that in two ways. One is I thought about, I wonder if Beyonce like, knew that. I don't think she did, because I think if she did, she would have brokered a deal. She seems like a pretty smart businesswoman, so I think she would have brokered a deal with Red Lobster if she knew that that was going to happen. And so it made me think about this. Like a lot of times, we think that we're so small, and particularly if you're in an arena where you think you don't matter, it might be the place where God wants to give you the most influence. Because it won't be about you. I don't know. But the other thing I thought was this. If Beyonce has that effect by saying a few words, how much more does our Heavenly Father want us to have an effect eternally in the places we go? And how few times do we really know what kind of authority our words carry? How few times do we really know how much authority our prayers carry? I was thinking about this, most of you guys are going to go to lunch out here on the square, probably somewhere or somewhere beyond when you leave here. And you will probably pray for your food. But when you do that, think about your words and think about what other influence they could have even in the place that you're at. And pray for the people there. And if God leads you, talk to people there. But recognize what God longs to do with people who will give him position in their lives and who will believe their position in him gives them authority. God does not care about your resume. He doesn't. He cares about your response. He's looking for tenants. So for us, one of our responses during Lent is to ask for personal salvation and physical healing. Right? Those are two things we feel like God has called us as a church to ask for, and so we're going to spend some time doing that, specifically uh, with the physical healing thing. If we have ministry elders that are here, that'll, they're going to pray for people. Could y'all go ahead and come up? Um, and be available. Ministry elders, please. Um, and I want to ask you a couple of things related to these two ideas of salvation and healing. The first is this. It's position. Is, is God your salvation? I don't know. I don't know where every person in here is at. And I don't know if maybe you thought Jesus is nice, he's good, he's an okay teacher, and then he starts to infringe on certain things in certain areas, and you're like, I've kind of pushed back. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I don't want him. To have that position. And and I'm, I'm not trying to be heavy handed at all. But I'd really encourage you to at least try him out. As salvation. At least say to him. God I'm going to give you position in my life. Because it, what, what happened was. That ultimately it hurt them more. Not to give Jesus his position. Than it would have to give him. His position. And so I just encourage you. If that's something for you. To just begin to speak to God about that today. About what it would mean to to believe in him more than yourself, more than your money, more than your own position, more than anything, to believe in him as your salvation. And the second question is, is is he your healer? And I think this is a little bit more difficult for some of us, which is some of us have struggled for physical healing. And we've asked God for physical healing, and maybe we haven't received it when we asked for it, and it makes us want to push back and not ask anymore. You know what I mean? Like it makes you want to say, like, that was hard, that hurt, I put myself out there, and I didn't get the healing. And the thing that I think God wants you to know today is this: that it's not about figuring out the healing, it's about giving him the position of healer and just letting him work out the rest. It's not your job to ask God to heal you and then figure out why or why he does or doesn't or any of those things. I couldn't, we don't have time to spend on that today. And, I, and, I, and I honestly, I don't want to. But but I know this. I know that God says, I want position as healer. And will you continue to just give him position as healer and trust that the things are going to fall in place the way that they need to fall in place. And so I would really encourage you, if you need physical healing today, come up and receive prayer. We just want to pray for you and we want to pray for God in position as healer and grab hold uh, of the authority that he gave us to proclaim healing and to pray for healing over others. So if that's you, we want to pray for you about anything. If you've got other things going on, if there's relational healing that you need, um, if there's other people and you just want us to pray with you, we would love to do that. Last thing, though, is this, and that's the authority end of this. And so some of us, some of y'all, like what will happen is you'll stand up and you'll think, I don't need prayer, so I'm going to take off. But some of you, what God is saying to you is, no, I'm giving you authority right now to stay where you are, to proclaim me as healer in this song, and to proclaim healing in this vineyard. And I'd really encourage you, if you feel that leading from the Lord, to not leave this room until you're done using the authority that he gave you. So if y'all stand with me. I'm going to pray for us, both, lead us into worship, and then we'd love to pray for you. God, thank you so much that you didn't ask us to take center stage in our lives because it crushes us. We are broken to pieces. God, and we just confess that, and we ask you to come back and take your position. We're open-handed. We realize that not giving you your position is going to hurt us a lot more than giving it to you. And then, God, we ask that you would give us the courage and the wisdom to pursue the places of position that you've given us in your authority and not in ours, in your resume and not in ours. God, let us live proclaiming your kingdom, proclaiming relationship and renewal and restoration for our world. In Jesus' name, amen.